Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. I'm in New York to do some media as I record this. You'll probably notice the slight loss in our usual sound quality because I'm recording this remotely. And I awoke this morning, as you probably did, to learn that uh, Benedict the Sixteenth, um, Joseph Ratzinger, the current Pope, uh, has decided to resign. And uh, there's a lot of stir about it, a, a lot of suspicion, a lot of speculation in the press. Uh, and so I thought I'd comment on it a bit because I think it's a very important moment in history, uh, Christian history, certainly kept Roman Catholic history. Um, and, it, and it says a lot about this man and the state of the church that he has decided to resign. Um, I, I'm not at all surprised that his papacy has come to an end. I think I don't think anybody, including Vatican insiders, were uh, prepared for the fact that he would resign uh, in this way. Uh, I think most expected he would live out his papacy until he died. Uh, and I certainly don't think that anybody expected that he would resign with such short notice. He'll be out of the papacy in uh, less than a month. But I, I, I do think that we need to remember that this pope had always said he would not be pope for very long. He had always said he was a transitional pope. And I think this is what makes him what I would call a quiet hero. Uh, we have to remember that Joseph Ratzinger uh, had served as the head of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith uh, for many, many years, more than two decades. Um, and the pope he served was John Paul II. Now, John Paul II was pope for almost a quarter of a century, and he absolutely transformed the papacy. He was young in spirit. He was a poet. He was an actor. Um, he was cool. Um, one reporter was hiking a mountain in Italy, and suddenly there was a stir behind him, and he, he turned around, and there was the pope in tennis shoes climbing the mountain faster than anybody else. Um, John Paul II was just a lot of fun. He loved youth. Uh, back during the hip-hop days, uh, some hip-hop artists performed at the Vatican, and, and John Paul II stood up and started raising his hands and that kind of you know, flat hands upward kind of uh, movement that was popular back then. And you know, this is the Pope. Um, he was fun. He was cool. He gave great speeches and talks. He had lots of youth in. Um, he was just a, a, a man who touched hearts. And no one was going to be able to top that, so to speak. No young reformer uh, could take over in his wake when he died uh, in 2005. To, to help us understand how much John Paul II transformed the papacy, we should, we should probably remember that as late as 1958, now that's the year I was born, so as late as 1958, popes uh, wore jeweled tiaras. They were carried around on sedias. Um, you, you, you think of these as the uh, thrones uh, carried on uh, the shoulders of servants, something like uh, maybe pashas from the Middle East, uh, mid-1800s, or, or, or other kinds of royalty from that era. Um, people bowed fully to the knee. Uh, when a pope approached, they kissed the ring. Uh, that was 1958. Now, John Paul II became pope in 1981. And... Uh, that's that's a pretty immense transition. Uh, he was a tennis shoe wearing, poetry reading, uh, laughing, playful, joyful 
man. He spoke a lot about welcoming the Holy Spirit. He, he, he forgave the man who shot him, uh, you know, tried to kill him. Um, he was just an exceptional man. Uh, and he was so popular uh, by the time that he died. He had become, of course, contorted by disease. We all remember the, the tortured look and how bent over he was and how aged he was. But this just endeared him to people all the more. Um, and, and you remember perhaps the crowd that filled St. Peter's Square and chanted Santo Subico, which means Pope, uh, it's a saint now, saint now. Um, he was popular. He was loved. Uh, he was sure to be a saint. He will be uh, named a saint before you know, very long. Um, and it was just not going to be popular to have a, a young pope, a pope who would last for a long period of time, uh, ascend at that moment. Now, now, the church trusts that these things are determined by the Holy Spirit, but, but he gives men wisdom, and the leaders of the church determined that it was best to have a transitional pope. And so they asked Joseph Ratzinger, who was a cardinal, who had headed the CDF, as we call it, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, uh, to step up. Uh, he was older. He had already considered retiring. Um, he had served the church well. He had a very close partnership with John Paul II. Um, but he agreed. He agreed because he knew he was the un-John Paul II. He was not um, an expressive man. He was not poetic. He was not good at PR. Um, he was friendly and kind and Christian and an older man who could be endearing in some way. But he just didn't have the personality and the style of John Paul II. And he knew that, and the church knew that, and the leaders knew that. They knew he would um, kind of quiet things down. He, they, they knew, uh, and he knew that the cameras would sort of move off of him personally, so to speak, move the attention and the focus off of the papacy itself. And that uh, under that sort of anonymity, that Joseph Ratzinger, uh, now Benedict XVI, would begin to uh, transform the church from within, begin to work on uh, structure, begin to work on staffing, begin to make some of the internal repairs uh, that were needed in the church. As wonderful as John Paul II might have been, uh, he wasn't much for structure. Um, he, he, he had views that sometimes seemed contradictory, and he hired in the same way. He appointed people in the same way, so you'd have uh, two men in the same department who had completely opposite views. That's just how John Paul II was. So Joseph Ratzinger, Benedict XVI, uh, went through the church and began to work on administrative matters and what have you, and uh, you know served for the better part of a decade. But everyone knew he wouldn't serve long. Everyone knew that he had been positioned, that he had positioned himself even, to um, absorb the change in the church, to represent a quieter papacy, a, a less personality-driven papacy, uh, to work on internal and administrative things, to lead the way perhaps in repentance, uh, since the church has had numerous sexual scandals, as we all know, uh, and then to transition out. So we're surprised, perhaps, that disease has hit him so suddenly. I can, you can tell by looking at pictures from just a year ago that he has dramatically aged and is, and is sick. I, I don't, I don't, people are already saying he might not live much longer. But for him to step down, I think, is just um, sort of the crowning statement of character. Uh, I'm not Roman Catholic. Obviously, I wouldn't disagree with my Roman Catholic friends on points of doctrine. I'm a Protestant. <clears throat> but I do believe that this man has modeled something. Um, he has sacrificed himself in his old age when he would like to have lived with his brother in Germany and uh, maybe written theology and taught. Um, he has allowed himself to become a transitional figure 
to move the attention off the papacy uh, and to do the things that need to be done. God bless him in his latter years. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times best-selling author, a popular speaker, a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN, and a blogger for a number of leading online news services. His groundbreaking books on faith and American society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Faith of Barack Obama, The Mormonizing of America, and the soon-to-be-released Lincoln's Battle with God. You can learn more about Stephen at www.mansfieldgroup.com and connect with him on Facebook and on Twitter under the name Mansfield Writes. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is produced by Isaac Darnell for Chartwell Literary Group.